Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Well, thank you, Brother Robert. East Haven family, will you pray with me before we get started? Father, we, there is so much that I want to say right now. This hit different this morning, Lord. I mean, it really did. In Christ alone, my hope is found. For you are the cornerstone. And Lord, I, I confess that I don't always act like that. A lot of times I act like I've got to be the cornerstone. And, and my word, I can barely remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Lord, I know that's the story for many others too. Forgive us, Lord, when we forget that it's not incumbent upon us. Lord, as we study your word this morning, as we examine the prayers and the laments of the saints of old, I pray that you would speak to the depths of our hearts, that you would convict us, Lord, of sin, righteousness, and of judgment you would remind us that you were full of grace, mercy, and truth. So, Lord, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake and all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, good morning, East Haven family. Uh, 2020 has been something. We're almost done with it. I know there's another four days. A lot can happen in four days, but we're going to hope that nothing major is going to happen in four days. If you're trying to figure out who I am, that's okay. Uh, As soon as I got here, COVID happened. Uh, I am the student and college pastor, and no sooner than I got boots on the ground did COVID pop up, and that's okay. God is still faithful. 2020 has been an interesting year. It has shown us that Uh, Things can change on a dime. Oftentimes this year, our life has been characterized by pain, suffering, uncertainty, worry, concern, so forth, and so on. In other words, our life has been characterized by pain and suffering. That's a condensed way of saying that. And there are some who say that the Christian life should be free of pain and suffering. I don't know why they think that. They've obviously never read uh, the Bible in its entirety. You know, Jesus said in Mark 10, 45, he says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus often called himself the Son of Man in Mark's gospel. We're not going to be there today. We're actually going to be in Psalm 89. And so if you have your Bibles, and I certainly hope that you do, take them and turn with me to Psalm 89. Not only did Jesus say that he came to give his life as a ransom for many, Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, he says that Jesus was a man who was despised and rejected. He was a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. Our Lord was a man of suffering Who knew what Jesus was? If our Lord suffered, then I think it stands to reason that we should expect our life to be characterized by suffering and pain and heartache in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Now, what's suffering for you is not necessarily suffering for me and vice versa. 
There are some who are suffering for the sake of the gospel who are giving their life, their physical life, because they refuse to say that they recant their faith. There are some... In fact, I know of one man who was working at a car dealership in Washington State. The boss told him to lie to a customer about a car that they were trying to sell. He said, I won't do that. I'm a Christian. And the boss said, well, if you don't do that, you don't have a job. He said, well, I love Jesus, so I don't think I'm going to have a job after this, will I? He was dismissed from his job. Suffering looks different. It may be sickness. It may be financial worries. Maybe in your marriage, maybe, uh, maybe your marriage is strained. Maybe your children are giving you headache and you so desperately want them to walk the path of life and they're not. Now let me say this. If you think you're suffering, we're talking about suffering. Let me just go ahead and say this. If you're suffering because of your political persuasion, you're not suffering for the real reason. Christians should suffer because of our faith in Christ when the world persecutes us, not because of our political persuasion. All right. So when I talk about suffering, I know that we, we talk about persecution and that, that's almost intertwined and, and linked in together. If we're suffering for Christ, it ought to be for Christ we're suffering, not for political persuasion. Now, that was just a little soapbox, and while I was there, I thought I'd say it. But David, uh, we're going to look at some from David today, but, but we need to remember that, that in the midst of suffering, there are three things that we can do. Three things. And 2020 uh, has been something that, is, that has done one of two things for a lot of people. It has either pushed us away, or it's drawn us near. Now, suffering has a way of doing that. Uh, some of you know uh, I was engaged at one point, and after the engagement ended, my father called me, uh, and he said, uh, son, I want to talk to you. I said, okay. I said, what about? And he said, well, let's talk about heartache. I said, okay, what about it? He said, please be very careful with what you let grow in your heart. He says, if you're not careful, you may do what I did. And you may let some things grow there that shouldn't. Our pastor has reminded us this year that a hurting heart is fertile soil. So if your heart's hurting, what's growing there? Is it pain and bitterness? Or is it something of the Spirit? So when there's pain in the offering, in Psalm 89, I want us to see that the first thing we ought to do is that when there's pain in the offering, we are to celebrate the past faithfulness of God. We are to celebrate the past faithfulness of God. Now, this is important. It is good and right to celebrate how God has worked in the past, and it's good and right to tell others about it. Because in the midst of suffering, we're often perplexed. Now, Oftentimes, it does not take much to get me confused. I mean, it really doesn't. And sometimes it doesn't take me much to confuse others. But the psalmist in Psalm 89 is very much perplexed. In fact, in my Bible, the heading for this particular psalm is perplexity about God's promises. And so listen actually to what he says beginning in verse 49. He says, Lord, where are the former acts of your faithful love? That you swore to David in your faithfulness. Remember, Lord, the ridicule against your servants. In my heart I carry abuse from the peoples. How your enemies have ridiculed, Lord. How they have ridiculed every step of your anointed. The psalmist looks at all that's going on around him and he says, God, I know you're faithful. I know what you've promised. 
I know that you're constantly working, but Lord, all this stuff really says otherwise. People are prospering and they're doing evil things. Things that shouldn't happen are being done and celebrated. And here I am, Lord, I'm trying to live faithful and I'm, I'm clinging to your word and I'm suffering, but these people over here are doing just fine and dandy. Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand. When we don't understand, we don't demand to understand. We just rather celebrate the past faithfulness of God. Remembering how God has worked does something for the mind. You know, if somebody has done something one way in the past, then it stands to reason that they're liable to do it that way again. Uh, when I was managing a Sonic, I was very particular because I did not want corporate to shut us down. And if corporate came in and uh, inspected and we did not do things according to the way we were supposed to, we could be shut down if we didn't check enough boxes. And I was very, uh, very peculiar with my staff. Do it right. Do it right. Well, nobody's here. We're not being inspected. I don't care. That inspector might pop in during a rush hour. And if we're not doing it right now and getting in the habit now, we're not going to be in the habit later. Celebrating the faithfulness of God when the times are good equips us and trains us and prepares us to celebrate the faithfulness of God when all things are going south. We celebrate the past faithfulness of God. Now, when we do this, uh, we need to remember what that looks like. So, if you will, at the beginning of the psalm in verse 1, look at this. The psalmist says, Lord, God of my salvation. Now, now look, I was preaching one time, and I asked the congregation, I said, how many of you have something to share about how God has worked in your life? Now, don't worry, this is not audience participation, but for them it was. And in a room of about 150 people, nobody raised their hand. I said, oh, we got a problem. I said, is anybody in here saved? Well, yeah. Well, praise the Lord. There's something to celebrate there. The psalmist begins, he says, Lord, God of my salvation. If God never answers another prayer of yours, he has answered the prayer of salvation. And that's something to be praised. That is a demonstration of his faithfulness. He didn't have to answer the prayer of salvation, but he promised he would, and he has. The psalmist says, Lord God of my salvation, I cry out before you day and night. Have you ever just cried out to God day and night? The crying never ceases. He says, may my, oh my goodness, I'm in Psalm 88. Look at that. Some of you were thinking, what Bible is he reading out of? Psalm 88, though, is a good psalm, though, and uh, that actually has everything to do with what we're talking about. But you know what? Because I was halfway through it, let me go ahead and say this. May my prayer reach your presence and listen for my cry. Verse 2 of Psalm 88, listen. God is faithful to hear our prayers. God is faithful to respond to us in our distress. He has already saved us in our greatest distress when we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And now if he can do that, I'm pretty sure he can handle something else. Now, Psalm 89. Psalm 89. You should celebrate the past faithfulness of God. Listen to what the psalmist says. He says, I will sing about the Lord's faithful love forever. I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations with my mouth. For I will declare faithful love is built up forever. You establish your faithfulness in the heavens. The psalmist says, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. 
but I'm going to sing of your faithful love. There's a part of me that doesn't believe you're faithful, God, but by golly, I'm going to keep saying it. I was telling Scott Smith earlier that in January of last year, I was asked to preach at the church I was serving at. And it was first time preaching at that church in about four or five months. And I was real nervous. And there's a lot of things that were going on in my life. And, uh, and the Lord had told me to preach on his faithfulness. And I said, Lord, I can't preach on that. I said, I don't even know if I believe you are faithful. How can I preach on something I don't even know if I believe? And I was torn. He said, well, you're not going to preach anything else. You're preaching this or nothing. I said, well, I'm not preaching it. He said, oh, yes, you are. And so I called a friend of mine. I said, look, I will cook some steak if you will just come up to my house. He had to drive up from New Orleans. So he drove up from New Orleans, and we're sitting at the kitchen table, and I just cooked. And I said, dude, I got a problem. He said, what's your problem? I said, God wants me to preach on his faithfulness, and I don't know if I believe it. And he looked at me. He says, and your point? (laughs) He said, it doesn't matter whether or not you believe it. The text is always true, so you preach the text. God's word is is how we know who he is. God's word is how we understand the working of God and his character. And when God has written something down, you know what it means? You can take it to the bank. When God says he's faithful, he's faithful. Just because you don't believe it does not negate the reality of God's word. You cling to the word of God. You celebrate the past faithfulness of God. So listen to what the psalmist says. He says this. uh, He quotes God to God. You ever done that before? You ever quoted God to God? The psalmist did. He says, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn an oath to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build up your throne for all generations. Lord, the heavens praise your wonders, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can compare to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? God is greatly feared in the council of the holy ones, more awe-inspiring than all who surround him. Lord God of armies, who is strong like you? Your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule the raging seas. When when its waves surge, you still them. Oh, Jesus did that too, didn't he? You crushed Rahab like one who was slain. You scattered your enemies with your powerful arm. The heavens are yours. The earth is also yours. The world and everything in it is yours. The psalmist and his confusion goes back to what he knows. He clings to the faithfulness of God. How has God been faithful in your life? How has he stepped in at just the right moment? How has he stepped in in the moment of the chaos and whispered and said, I'm here. I've got it. How has he stepped in and said, you didn't think there was a way, but let me show you what I've had planned all along. Oftentimes we like to think that our stupidity and our disobedience and our sin can thwart the plans of God, and they can't. He's faithful. He knows what he's doing. So when there's pain in the offering, celebrate the past faithfulness of God. But not only that, not only that, recall the promises of God. Recall the promises of God. Uh, In this particular one, we're going to turn over to Psalm uh, 23. Psalm 23, it's a very familiar psalm. It's a psalm that uh, we often read at funerals and, uh, and in times of difficulty and heartache. But David says here, uh, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
I have, I have what I need is what my translation says. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even, though I, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for as long as I live. Now you might think, well, Brother Craig, where in the world did God actually promise anything in that psalm? Well, I'm glad you asked. You know, I used to think that the psalms were about us responding to God in our heartache. But as I've been reading through the Psalms in my quiet time, the more that I've come to believe that the Psalms are about giving us a right perspective when our heartache has clouded our sight. Have you ever been so confused about something and you think something's happened that shouldn't have happened and you go and you talk to somebody and do something about it and they say, well, actually, here's what went down. And they provide clarity for you and then you can see the whole situation in a clear light. That's very much what the Psalms do. David says here, you are my shepherd, I have what I need. Now, if I were to ask you to recall some promises of God, you could do that right off the top of your head probably. You could probably say that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that he will restore us, that he will redeem us, that he will sanctify us through and through, that the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, that he will strengthen and protect us from the evil one, 2 Thessalonians 3.3. You could probably say these things, but here in Psalm 23, David says, Lord, you're my protector my provider. Listen, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need, provision. He lets me lie down in green pastures. Listen, I'm a country boy with a lot of city boy tendencies. And one day I hope that the Lord will bless me with the opportunity to retire to a farm and farm something. I don't know what, I just want to farm something. All right. If you've ever noticed sheep, if you've ever noticed sheep, by the way, I've tried to catch a sheep before it didn't end well. But if, thank you very much. If you've ever noticed sheep grazing in a field, they're always eating. I believe they're Baptist. They're always eating. They're always eating because grass has such little nutritional value that they have to just keep eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. And so David says, he lets me lie down in green pastures. Well, first off, now I've never went and ate grass. So I cannot vouch for this from a first-hand experience. But I do know green grass looks pretty. And I imagine that if you're a herbivore, it probably tastes better too. So when David says, you let me lie down in green pastures, what he's saying is, I am completely satisfied. I am full. There's nothing more that I could ever possibly want. David says, you let me lie down in green pastures. What he's saying is, Lord, you have promised to satisfy me. You lead me beside quiet waters. Sheep will not drink out of a fast-moving stream. All right? Got to be almost still. There's peace. The Lord has promised to be our peace. He renews my life. Have you ever felt like you just needed to be renewed? You go through a season and everything is 
going south and you're stressed and you're worried and you're saying, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I really need you to renew my life. God has promised to do that. David says he renews my life. He leads me along right paths. One of the most beautiful things about the gospel is that when Jesus said, if anybody wants to follow me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus just didn't tell us that. I tell you, we have a bad tendency as people in general when somebody asks for help and just watching a department store, you'll see what I'm talking about. Hey, where, where are the picture hangers? Uh, aisle 65. Well, where's that? Oh, I, well, go this way and then that way and this way. And you'll eventually get there. Here are the instructions. And you'll spend 20 minutes looking for aisle 65. Jesus did not do that. Jesus did not say, all right, guys, here's how you take up your cross. Good luck. Jesus went and showed us how to take up our cross. Jesus showed us how to lay down our life. Jesus showed us how to deny ourselves. Jesus, listen to me, he not only leads us, he not only tells us the path to take, he leads us on those paths. He is with us, in us, and upon us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. When you're going through pain, when you're going through heartache, and you think you're alone, the Holy Spirit is with you. God is with you. And he's leading you along the right paths. And the promise in this comes when David says, you will do these things for your namesake. God is not going to be made out to be a liar. Period. If God doesn't do what God has said he's going to do, you know what that means? He ain't God. God is going to fulfill what he has promised. He's going to do what he has started because if he doesn't, he ceases to be God. And the author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus never changes. Our situations might, but Jesus never does. When he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. You recall the promises of God. But friend, do not fall victim to valuing the promise more than the promise maker. We just had Christmas. Parents, some of you probably bought your children some real nice gifts. You would, ha you would be some type of cross. Sorry, that was the British in me. You would be some type of angry if your child loved that gift more than he or she loved you. Don't fall victim to valuing the promise more than the promise maker. So when there's pain in the offering, Celebrate the past faithfulness of God. Recall the promises of God. And here's the last thing. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Worship the Lord. Listen uh, in Psalm 63. It's going to be up there on the screen, but I like to flip. So Psalm 63. It's also a familiar psalm. David wrote this. He says, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. I think we sung about that this morning. Blessed be your name in the desert places when I walk through the wilderness. My lips, uh, verse 2, so I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love, there's that faithfulness of God again, because your faithful love is better than life. 
So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich foods. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. We either draw near to God or we push away from God in difficulty. David draws this picture of one who is in a desert, who is burning up, who is thirsty, who is lonely. And by the way, it's a desert because there ain't no water around. I know, that was, that, was a, <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? That was a joke, but thank you very much. I'm going to have low elf esteem for those of you that watched uh, Christmas special. David says, I, I'm, I'm in a place, this, this ain't good, but God, I eagerly seek you. I make a point to seek you out. I make a point, God, because you're my God. I make a point because I have gazed on you and your sanctuary. I have seen your strength and your glory. It is marvelous. It is something to behold. Your faithful love is better than life. Do we really believe that? We try to find everything else. Truth is, we're all tempted to find it somewhere else. The old hymn says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. So bind my wondering heart to thee. Then he says this, my lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. There is a man, and I hope I don't cry because I, I love this man, and, and one of my regrets is that I never sat down to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him, though he asked for it. There was a man named Ronnie Baker. Some of you have heard this story. Ronnie Baker uh, was a deacon at my previous church. When I went on staff, he had just been cleared of cancer. And soon after I got there, the cancer came back. Uh, and from what we had heard in you know, staff prayer time and in staff meeting, Ronnie was doing okay. Wasn't doing bad. It was looking very hopeful. Uh, wasn't doing bad. Wasn't doing good. But it was looking hopeful, you know. So I thought, okay, well, you know, I'll have time to meet with Ronnie one day. You know, I'll have, I'll have time to sit down and, and listen to him because Ronnie loved the Lord. He and his wife loved the Lord. They loved his church. They were passionate about serving the Lord Jesus. And a friend of mine, mutual friend of ours actually, named Jim, called and he said, what are you doing? It was a Wednesday. Uh, I said, well, it was a Tuesday, Monday actually. I said, well, uh, I'm, I'm at the office. He said, okay, I'm going to come get you. I, I need your help. We've got to get Ronnie in the vehicle. He's so weak, he can't get in the vehicle anymore. I need your help. I said, okay. And so we went and we, we got Ronnie and we got him in the vehicle and and I remember looking at Ronnie. He, he, he just didn't look like Ronnie anymore. He didn't. Ronnie eventually died about three, three and a half weeks later. That, that was a tough goodbye for me. It was a tough see you later, but it, it was tough. But I have a few vivid memories of Ronnie. And one of them, from a Sunday morning worship service. 
Ronnie and his wife managed to come that morning. He was real weak. It was the first time we'd seen him in a while. And that is when we all figured out this, this isn't good. But Ronnie and his wife sat in the center section in our sanctuary. And where I was seated, I could see him out of the corner of my eye. And I forget what song we were singing. But I remember seeing out of the corner of my eye a man who was weak and feeble and tired prop his left arm up on the end of that pew and lift his hand toward heaven. And he sung that morning with everything he had. After his death, I was talking to his mutual friend and his mutual friend told me that Ronnie had actually said at one point, he said, Jim, whatever God wants, I won't. And so if God wants to use this cancer to take me home, let him use it. But if he wants to use it to keep me alive and to have a testimony through me, let it be so. Ronnie is still testifying of the faithfulness of God to this day. Not only in heaven, but through the stories that others tell of him. Ronnie was in a very difficult situation, and yet he eagerly sought out God. He was hurting. He was confused. He didn't understand why he had cancer. But he loved the Lord. And he said, God, whatever you want, I want. Man, isn't that a testimony of a life changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ? When we are going through a season of pain and heartache and of suffering, we celebrate the past faithfulness of God. Now, I know, I know that us as Baptists, you know, we don't like to, you know, get too excited about things. Let me tell you something. We are to be a people defined by celebration. We have something we're celebrating. So we celebrate the past faithfulness of God. We recall the promises of God. That's important. Recall the promises of God. But we also worship God despite our situations. He never changes. He's always the same. and He's always worthy of worship, honor, and praise. You know, as we've talked about all this, you know, this, this sermon was born out of 2020, obviously. Uh, but also... Our Lord suffered, and he suffered a punishment that you and I deserved. If you don't know Jesus today, I want you to know that that punishment that Jesus suffered is a punishment that you will suffer if you die apart from trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you do know Jesus, that punishment's been taken care of. It's a it's a punishment that's been taken care of and we ought to be thankful for. But friends, it doesn't negate the reality that there's still heartache and pain in this life. Has this year been characterized by heartache and pain for you? When you start reflecting on this year, are you going to see just event after event 
that you say, Lord, that's painful. God is still faithful. You can thank him that despite the pain and despite the heartache, he has been faithful. If we aren't practicing these things when all is well, we're not going to do it when the difficulty comes. It's easy to worship God when all things are right, isn't it? But boy, it's another thing to say, Lord, you are great, you are mighty, you are worthy of all the worship, honor, and praise we can bring when our mind is full and distracted because life is hard. God is faithful. God has promised to protect us and to strengthen us and be with us. And he has also commanded us to worship. And so as our praise team comes, will you stand with me and will you pray? And in this moment, I want you to to think about how you would characterize 2020. If it's anything like the rest of us, you would probably characterize 2020 as a year that you want to forget and forget quickly. I get that. Okay, I'll give an amen to that. But, but maybe there are some things you just need to say, Lord, here it is. Uh, I've not been very faithful in meeting with you. I've not been faithful in practicing your presence. I've not been faithful in uh, basking in your grace because things have been tough and I've wanted to run away. Confess that to the Lord. And if you don't know Jesus today, well, friends, uh, then you have every reason to be worried, concerned, upset, and worried about the future. But the Bible tells us that despite our sin, God has loved us, that he has made a way for us, and that while we were still sinners, God loved us. And he demonstrated his love for us. And that Christ died for us. Do you know Jesus today? The invitation is simple. If you know Jesus, what is it you need to lay down before his feet. If you don't know Jesus, here's the invitation. Will you come to Jesus today? I'm going to be down here. If you need to talk about uh, placing your faith and trust in Jesus, surrendering Him, surrendering to him, I'd love to talk with you about that. If you need to talk about baptism, joining the church, anything like that, we'd love to talk with you. Let me pray for us as we enter this time of response. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful despite our circumstances that you are faithful regardless of what we experience in this life. Our situations change, but you never do. And I recognize, Lord, that this year's been tough for me and it's been tough for others. And I pray that you would speak to the depths of our hearts right now and in this moment and remind us that you have been faithful in the past and you will be faithful today and you will be faithful in the days to come. You will remind us of your promise And Lord, that you would prompt us to worship despite how we may feel, despite the things we experience. Lord, may we worship you in spirit and in truth. If there's anybody in here, Lord, that does not know you, I pray you would draw them to yourself right now. Make it clear to them. May they respond in the affirmative and surrender to you today. For those who do know you, Lord, if their life, their years have been characterized by pain and suffering, Lord, may they lay it down at your feet. Pray all these things, Lord, in your name and for your sake. And all God's people said, Amen.